0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament, um, kind of in the middle of the New Testament. Uh, The Bible broken up into two sections, the Old and the New. Uh, The New starts with a book called Matthew, and it goes Mark, Luke, John. Keep going until you find this book called Ephesians. Now, when it was originally written, it wasn't written as a book, it was actually written as a letter uh, to the church uh, at Ephesus by a guy named Paul, uh, who right now is is in prison. And he writes to them, and the main crux of uh, of the whole entire letter is simply this, it's to display God's eternal purpose to humanity and to show us how we ought to live it out to display God's eternal purpose to all those that are around us as we begin to walk it out. And so Paul's writing this church, giving them some stuff, saying, hey, here's how you can walk this out and display my glory. So last week we kicked it off, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And as we kicked it off, we begin to talk about um, how our life paints a picture. Uh, the, you know, there's an old saying that says, a picture speaks a thousand words. You ever heard that one before? Okay. In other words, your life is communicating something. Your life is painting a picture, and if a picture speaks a thousand words, come on, your life is speaking a lot, all right? For women, it's more like their their picture speaks like 10,000 words. Come on, somebody, all right? But for the rest of us, our, our life is communicating something. It's speaking something. It's painting a picture, And uh, I believe that that picture that's being painted by God, it's painting this beautiful and awesome and incredible plan that he has for your life. And so last week, as we talked about, we discovered something. We discovered that really we're not the beautiful splatters of paint on the canvas. Uh, We're not the brush that creates the the images on the canvas. Uh, We're not even the idea. What we simply are is we're just simply the backdrop, come on, for God to paint an incredible picture and begin to display his glory. So I want to continue with this thought today in talking about how your life can paint a better picture, how how your life can begin to declare something awesome. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Now, I want everybody engaged today. You know, if you're new to our church, we we like to talk to one another. So I want you to say, I am. am. Come on, that wasn't everybody. If this is making you uncomfortable, I'll break you out of your shell. Say, I am. God's masterpiece, yeah. For we are, all of us, we are, we are God's masterpiece. Now listen to the next part, because this is where we're gonna focus in today. It says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. We're God's masterpiece. Christ created us anew. Why did he do that, the last part of the verse? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now I don't know if you're anything like me, I love the last part of that verse because the last part of that verse says, God has a plan for my life. The last part of that verse says, okay, God has good plans for my life and he's doing something to me so I can do those good things, that good plan, that amazing plan, that, that masterpiece, if you will, I can live that out. This is God's idea, God's design, God's plan. But before we can get to the plan, something takes place in the middle of that verse and it says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. We're the masterpiece, something happened, Christ had to create us anew, and now we can begin to do and accomplish and live out the wonderful plan that God has for our life. As we set up today's message, I wanna take you to the Old Testament now, and I wanna take you to the book of Psalms. Psalms is kind of lands right in the middle of the whole entire Bible, um, not by book number, but just simply by pages. And I wanna take you to Psalm 139, because in Psalm 139, we see very clearly in about four or five verses that God had set something up for you long ago, that he literally has has an amazing and wonderful plan for your life. And it's in Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. If you have your Bibles, you can flip your pages over there or you can look on the screens and it says this, starting in verse 13, Psalm 139. It says, for you formed my inward parts, This is David writing, and he's talking to God as he writes this. He's saying, God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb." What's that talking about? That's talking about anybody anybody in here knit? Does anybody knit? No, that's like old school. Okay, we've got one person that knits. Have you ever seen somebody knit? Man, it's time-consuming. It's intricate in how they do it, and it it takes a little while. Listen to the words David's saying. God, you took time with me. You knit me together. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Now listen to verse 16. This is talking about the plan. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, every one of what? Here it is. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. What does that tell me? That tells me that before I even walked on this earth, before I even began to breathe, that God said, I have a beautiful picture for you, Ben. I have a wonderful plan for your life. It is awesome and I've scripted it out for you. That is pretty incredible. God has an amazing plan for your life. But in this journey, it seems like some things can come in and begin to muddy it up and begin to distort the picture momentarily and thus Christ has to come and create us anew and do a new work so that the plan can be fulfilled because life is great when God's plan is in effect. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is incredible. I pray that over the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would speak to every person in this place. Lord, I declare and I believe today that you are gonna do a supernatural work in somebody's life that you are going to bring a supernatural healing, that you're going to touch somebody in the depths of their spirit. Lord, people that are here today that have emotional pain, people that are here today that are distant from you, you're going to bring them closer to you. God, I believe with all my heart that you are setting somebody up, Lord, to have an encounter with you. And I I, I declare that over Canvas Church in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 And things are really good when it goes according to plan. Things are awesome when it goes according to plan. As a matter of fact, when you begin to put a plan in place, Man, there's nothing better than watching that plan unfold and watch it actually play out the way you designed it. Now, when I was growing up, uh, we, uh, we didn't have, like, the cool, fancy video games, all right? What we had is we had this football game that vibrated, and we had these little magnetic guys on it, and they would, as it vibrated. anybody know what I'm talking about, or did I just date myself? I can't remember what it was called, but it was about this big, and you, you lined up all these little magnetic guys, and, and you set them up how they're going to run the play, and then you turn it on, and it, and it shakes, and these guys begin to move forward. Anybody ever play with those? Come on, thank you, Alan. You and I, we, we must be old together. All right, but man, watching those things play out the plan was, was awesome. It was so, so incredible. Someone's gonna have to Google that when they go home today, all right? I had an opportunity to coach my daughter's basketball uh, team when they were on the same team together. This was a while back. This was when Faith was seven and Carl was about nine and I kinda got roped into the whole thing, but I became their coach, and so I inherited 10 little girls uh, on the girls' basketball team, and uh, they began to call me coach, and so as a coach, I realized my job, my job is to make sure they understand, number one, how to play basketball, and so we worked the first couple of times just dribbling the ball, and passing the ball, and how to shoot the ball, and once we began to see them advance in that and realize, okay, they can actually get the ball up the court, and they can actually get the ball to the rim, uh, we, we, before our first game, we said, we gotta implement some plays. And so we developed some real simple plays for them to run. And we would just practice them over and over and over again in practice and just go over them and over them. And they were getting these plays down. It was awesome in practice to step back and to to see my little seven-year-old point guard run down the court. One, number one, number one. We had two plays, one and two. Come on, somebody. Every once in a while, we'd try to confuse the other team. We'd say 21 and 22. And they'd be like, oh, they have four plays. No, same play. All right? And then be number one, number one, and to see the kids move into action and run the play it was just so fulfilling and so awesome. But it was pretty easy to do in practice without defenders. Come on, somebody. When we got to game day, man, that's when the true satisfaction took place. When there's actual people defending them, and, and, I'm on, and I can't actually walk onto the court now and say, no, you're doing that wrong. I have to stand on the sideline, which is really hard for me to do. And I'd be like, run number one, and they'd start to run it, and I'd be like, ha ha ha, and I'd have to stay there. But then to watch that thing play out and see it fulfilled, it was just, it, it didn't really matter if they scored or not, but to actually see them run to their positions and do a little pick and roll, and you know, I was just like, wow, they did it. They're seven, eight, and nine, come on, somebody. It's so rewarding to watch the play unfold and it to be ran just like you had intended it to be. It was a beautiful picture. But then every once in a while, the point guard would get a little cocky. I was a big man in basketball, and most point guards, they're a little cocky. To see the point guard come down and and say, you know what, I'm not going to run the play this time. And for them not to run the play, and they just take it all the way by themselves, and to see all of a sudden three or four players come and guard them, and things didn't play out like they were supposed to, because that point guard made a decision. And that decision impacted them, and therefore the play got messed up. Or to see the point, guard run down and, and call the number one and, and it's going perfectly, but then you know the other person was like, I don't remember the play, I'll just do this thing over here." And all of a sudden two players go,. Come on, there's 7 eight nine. Are you with me? And because that one other player was out of position, it, it caused pain to the other players. It caused injury to the other, other players. When the play is ran, it's beautiful when we decide to make choices to not run the play, things don't look so beautiful, and when someone else is out of position, it can cause pain. It's a lot like life. Life's a lot like that. God has this awesome plan, and he set it up and he wants it to run, but every once in a while, you and I say, you know what, God, I got this one. Okay, let me talk for myself. Every once in a while, I, because I know you all you guys, you guys are good, all right? But me, every once in a while, I say, you know what, God, I got this one, I can figure this one out. And I decide not to run the play. Things get ugly real quick. But then there's other times when I'm running the play and I'm doing great, but all of a sudden somebody else causes some pain to come into my picture. I wanna talk to you just for the next few moments if I can about this thought of bad choices and emotional scars. Bad choices and emotional scars. Because see, God has an amazing picture for you. How many of you guys were there on that Easter Sunday when this thing got painted, y'all remember that day? The live performance painter, beautiful, right? Beautiful picture. God has a beautiful picture for you, unfortunately, because of emotional pain or emotional scars in our life, things that were inflicted upon us, or, or because of times when we stepped in and we said, God, you know what, we got this one. Our picture looks like this. Now I know there's some of you out there looking at it like that is awesome, that's like abstract, I love that. Okay, no, this is a mess, okay. And God wants you to look like this, a beautiful orchard or, or a forest with trees, and, and yet, yet here you took the brush in your hand and all of a sudden you're like, ah, it's not, know. It. Nope, it doesn't quite look the way God wanted it to. Things happen. We make bad decisions. Somebody else creates some pain in our life. So our picture looks like that. So then Christ has to come in, Ephesians 2.10, he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna create you brand new. I'm gonna take all of that, I'm gonna use it for my glory, I'm gonna create you brand new so that you can look like, like that. Christ has come to create us anew because God has a wonderful picture, a wonderful portrait, a masterpiece, a plan for our life. But there's two things that I believe that distort the masterpiece. That first one is bad choices. What I'm really saying is this. When I say bad choices, what I'm really talking about is this. I'm talking about sin. Let's just call it for what it really is. I'm not talking about you should have had Burger King when you had Taco Bell. Come on, somebody. Both of those sound like real bad choices, to be honest with you. I'm not talking about you missed your exit. I'm talking about you and I making willful decisions and willful choices to go against the plan of God. It's sin. We just did a series this year entitled Crouching Sin, Hidden Dragons, where we took like four or five weeks and we broke down the whole thought of what sin is. You can go back to our website or download our app and you can listen to that. And it it gives the definition of sin in its entirety. But it is sin in our life that can begin to distort the picture. What is sin? It's anything inconsistent or contrary to the nature of God. Anything inconsistent or contrary to the nature of God, and you might be sitting here today. Well, I don't I don't know what, what is contrary, and I don't know what I don't really know what's consistent with God. Well, here's how you begin to discover that because the Bible says that you know what? Ignorance, no excuse. How you begin to discover the nature of God is you begin to get into the word of God, and as you begin into the word of God, you discover the great and awesome plans that God has for your life. Man, to give you a hope and a future. Man, and he has this awesome, and you begin to discover that, and then you begin to live according to it. James says this. James 4, 17 says, He who knows to do right, but does not do it to that person, it's sin. It is those moments in our life where we tell God, we say, God, you know what? I know you got a great picture. I know you got a great plan. Or maybe you're here today and you're you're still discovering that. But even in that spiritual journey, even in discovering it, sometimes we, because of lack of trust, we don't trust God with the brushes in his hand. And so we begin to take them out. We begin to say, you know what, God? I, I can handle this one. Look. Look at my strokes, pretty awesome. But when we begin to do that, we begin to hinder the masterpiece that God wants to create in your life. Just this idea of trust. And here's the problem with trust for most of us is our trust is based on what we've seen and what we've experienced. Our trust is based on what we have experienced in our life and because someone we trusted hurt us or someone that that maybe it was a spouse and you've been married for 15, 18, 19, 20 years and all of a sudden now you find out that they're having an affair. or Maybe there's no affair at all, but for some some reason there's been a disconnect and now there's a divorce or, or maybe it was a parent that broke your trust or a counselor or, or a best friend and because that trust has been broken, we now reflect that idea of trust onto God And when God is trying to paint this awesome, beautiful masterpiece, we don't trust, and therefore we say, no, God, I don't know if you've got another spouse for me or the first spouse. I don't know if, God, you can provide for me. I don't know, God, if you can actually touch and heal heal my body. And so we begin to take the brush out of his hand, and we begin to say, I'm going to try this one on my own. I know there was times in my life when I, I did that. I took that brush and said, God, I don't know if you can find me a spouse. And because I took that brush in my own hand, I went down a road for a short season in search of the one for me, which led me down a bad path of compromise and difficulty. And I can guarantee you at the age of 22, my, my picture looked a little bit like that. But when I said, man, I need to get these brushes out of my hand into his, the picture began, began to change. Sin in our life will momentarily distort the picture, the masterpiece that God wants to paint. The second one, and this one is maybe a little more hard to reconcile it seems, and maybe a little harder to grasp It's this idea of emotional pain or emotional scars. What do we mean by that? These are things that happened to you that you had no control over. This is the player on the court that got out of position and because they got out of position, you were running the right play and smacked. You ran into him and you got hurt. You had no control over that. That was somebody else inflicting something on you and because of that, there is emotional pain, emotional scars in your life. You You have no control of whether or not your mom and dad got a divorce. You have no control whether or not someone took advantage of you as a child. So many things, and we could go down the list and talk about about different things, and there's so much in life that we have no control over. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? You have no control whether or not somebody uh, treats you a certain way and misuses and abuses, whether it be emotional, whether it be mental, whether it be physical, you have no control over that, but those things are the reality of life. And those things have happened to many of you sitting here. And because of that, there is is emotional scars. Listen, you weren't the one that put the stroke on it, but somebody came and, and took some paint and splattered it on your canvas and jacked it up. Something outside of your control. And because of that now, there's these emotional scars. And one of the big problems with emotional scars, ladies and gentlemen, is is, is we tend to go back and revisit them, relive them, rehash them, and we tend to look at other people through our emotional pain. The problem is is that we get so focused on that one area of our life that we're emotionally scarred. Rather than viewing a picture like it's supposed to be viewed from a distance with the light on it, we're looking at it like this, and all we see is the pain. But if we would step back for a moment, we can see that God redeems the emotional scars in our life and uses them To paint a beautiful picture. Now listen, I'm not saying that God caused those things to happen. What I'm saying is is that by his grace, he redeems those things. Because see, if you're just looking at this beautiful picture up close like this, all it looks is like a blob of green. God, I don't get it. How can, how can my parents get a divorce? How could they leave me? How could this happen? How can I get this sickness? How can I get this disease? God, what's going on? I don't get, I don't see it. All I see is the green, but if I, would, if I would set it down and I would back up, I would see that, wait a second, God redeemed the green. Come on to paint a beautiful masterpiece. So I got good news for you today because the Bible says this in the book of Matthew. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 20, the Bible says in Matthew twelve twenty 20 that, that this bruised reed Listen to this now. This bruised reed he will not break. In other words, those that have had that emotional pain, those emotional scars in their life, he will not allow you to be broken. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. But he redeems that. He takes that and he makes something beautiful. I got good news for you today because I know what it's like to be in that position of emotional scars. I know what it's like to be in that moment and literally the people that I trust the most, the the, the church community, the Christian community, I know what it's like to have pain inflicted upon my life by them, but I also know what it's like not to be defined by those emotional scars, but come on, allow those emotional scars to refine the beautiful picture that God is painting in my life. See, the problem is is too many of us are here today and we're allowing ourselves to be defined by what happened rather than refined by what happened. And there is a big difference. If you're here today and you are allowing your life to be defined by what has happened to you, you look at everything through that filter and through that lens. And therefore, you're still in pain, you're still in hurt to the point where those people that inflicted it upon you, you have a hard time being in in the same room with them. But what we need to understand is that Christ redeems those things in our life, those emotional scars, and he uses them to refine the beautiful portrait he is painting. That's a good message right there. We can't be defined by it, we gotta be refined by it. But whether it be the sin in your life or whether it be the emotional scars that have been afflicted upon us, there is one key to all of this painting a better portrait, all this painting a better picture, and it's this one word, forgiveness. 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 Whether you're here today and you say, you know what? Ben, as you're talking, I can identify some sin in my life, some bad choices. I can identify that, the key to to moving on and the key to going from this to that to that is this one word forgiveness. Forgiveness. First John 1:9 says this. It says, "If we confess our sins to him, listen to this now, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins." All about you, but that, that gets me kind of excited. If we confess our bad choices, if we confess our sin, then he, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And can I tell you something? The God we serve is a lot more gracious than the humanity we walk with. I love that it says, go to him. And if you confess it to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That is an exciting statement, ladies and gentlemen, because I've, 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 I've walked with some people, and man, people don't forget Anybody with me? But God, in his grace and in his mercy, says bring it to me. Confess it to me, and forgiveness is yours. Man, it begins to paint. God begins to redeem all the sin in our life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and he says I got this thing. And he takes it, and somehow he creates that. Is it too hot in here to say amen? I mean, at least you got a fan. Fan the person up front preaching. Come on, somebody. I'm hot up here. Forgiveness its not just the key to having that sin out of your life, but forgiveness is the key to emotional scars turning into beautiful splatters of paint on the canvas of your life. Are, some something that has happened to you that's outside of your control, something you can't wrap your mind around, you can't reconcile on your own, you've got to begin to let go. Listen to this, listen to these verses. In Matthew 6, 14 through 15 it says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, if you forgive others for jacking up your canvas, if you forgive others for allowing that emotional pain or causing that emotional pain in you, if you forgive others, now listen to this because this is key. Your heavenly Father also will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That is a heavy scripture, ladies and gentlemen. And it's one scripture, I'll be honest with you, I wish I could take an eraser and take out of the Bible. Because one of the hardest things to do is to forgive others that have inflicted. Now I'm not talking about, man, someone flipping you off as you're driving down the freeway. Come on, that happens to me every day. I don't know if my driving's that bad or what, or people, I don't know what it is. I'm talking about somebody that caused some deep pain in your life, and you having the ability to say, I forgive you, I forgive you. And honestly, like it was for me, because see, when the world inflicts pain on you, it's the world, it happens. Doesn't feel good, but when brothers and sisters in Christ inflict that pain upon you, it's difficult. Forgiveness is the key. Now listen to me, forgiveness is not you and I saying to other people what you did to me is okay. Hey, we're good, it was okay. No, 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 we're not saying that. Can I just say this as well? Forgiveness is not something you do because you feel like it. See there's this misconception of forgiveness. When you're working with people that have been impacted and affected by something and they're like you know, I just don't feel like I'm ready to forgive them yet. Forgiveness is not an emotion, it's not a feeling, it's not me saying, hey, what you did to me is okay. Forgiveness is a choice fundamentally founded in Scripture that says if you want God to forgive you of your sin, ladies and gentlemen, you better be walking in that forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice, and let me tell you something. The minute you make the choice to say to that person, I forgive you, it unlocks something in your life. It unlocks the power of God to come and bring forgiveness for your sins, and this is a good message. See, some of you, your canvas still looks like this. You're having a hard time receiving this right now, but if I could get this to you, if I could get this in you, I'm telling you, you would begin to sense this freedom and this peace like you've never felt before. Forgiveness is a choice, listen to me. I know, I've walked this out. Forgiveness is a choice. When you forgive, something supernatural happens. The Bible says this in Mark 11:25. And Whenever you stand praying, it says this, forgive as if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Forgiveness is the key to seeing your life. The sin, the emotional scars, the emotional pain begin to go from here to here to here. Now listen to me as I bring this thing to a close. I know, standing up here, that it makes for a really good message. Hey, forgive! But when you're sitting in the middle of that pain, it's a lot more difficult. It's difficult. But if you could catch what I'm telling, listen, God wants you to be a masterpiece. Why does God want you to be a masterpiece? We're gonna talk about it the next two weeks. God wants you to be a masterpiece because your life is meant to be on display for His glory. Why? Because it tells a story. And when it tells a story, it tells people that look like this, that they can become like this in Christ Jesus so that they could be on display for his glory because when they're on display for his glory, that it tells a story to people like this that says, hey, your sins can be forgiven, your emotional scars can be healed, and you can become a masterpiece. And now there's all these pictures hanging on this wall displayed for God's glory to tell a story to people that look like this that, hey, look, I know you got some stuff in your life. I know there's some emotional pain and some scars and there's some bad decisions you made, some sin in your life, but Christ came to create you brand new so you can look like this, so you can become this, because he's got a great plan to be displayed for his glory, to tell a story to people that look like this because they're jacked up, and God wants them to look like that. And so now you, as you're hanging on the wall, you begin to broadcast a a, a a word, a message of forgiveness. You begin to broadcast and say, look, I know what it was like to have sin in my life, but look at me now. I know what it was like to have emotional scars in my life and pain, but but look at me now. And people say, well, how how did you become like that? Did you look like this? They say, no, 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 no. I look just like you did right now. But Christ's grace is so good and so sufficient that it takes all the splatters of paint and all the jacked up mess and it creates me brand new so I can be displayed for his glory, and tell an amazing story so people that are messed up. This is God doing an incredible work in our life. And if we would forgive, and we would let go of the emotional scars, and if we would come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, forgive us, that forgiveness would begin to paint a better picture with our life and listen to me, when you become the masterpiece that God intends you to be, you begin to obtain the master's peace in your life as you begin to walk out this journey on this earth. God we thank you so much for your word today. God, We thank you that your word is awesome. God your word is rich, it's life-giving. God there's so many more people that need to hear the message of grace that comes and takes a jacked-up picture and begin to create it all brand new so that our life can tell a better story and paint a better picture. But the reality is, is there's people sitting in here today with deep emotional wounds, deep emotional pain. And even sitting under the sound of this message has been somewhat difficult because your initial thought is you don't know what the pain is, Ben, you have no idea. You're right, I don't know your pain, but I know that I walked through emotional pain and the same God that came and rescued me and the same Christ that did a work in me that created me brand new is the same one that's here for you today. There's others of you here today and maybe it has nothing to do with an emotional scar, but you realize sin is separating you from becoming the beautiful masterpiece. The same word, forgiveness, works in both situations. Christ forgiving you, you forgiving others. And you're here today and and you're separated from God. The message to you is Christ died on the cross to create you anew so that you could live a better life and have a better picture and a better story to tell so that others can come. Do me a favor, just close your eyes for a minute. Say, Ben, why do you want me to close my eyes? So I just want you to just shut out all of the other portraits for a minute. I want you to shut out all, all the distractions that are around. I want you to focus on the word that I preached for the last 30 minutes. Because there's somebody in here that's getting set free today. Someone in here that's, that's getting radically touched today by his grace. There's somebody here today that's getting right with Jesus you're here today, and you can identify with that emotional pain, those emotional scars, whether it was by a parent, someone close to you, whatever it might be, but you're here today, eyes closed, heads bowed, and you're saying, Ben, that message is for me, that word is for me. I know it's for somebody, and God's doing a work. If that's you, could you just shoot your hand in the air? That's me. One, two, three, four. Anybody else? Five. Come on, that's you. Six. Anybody else? That's me. I I needed to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a work, he's doing a work, thank you. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Ben, how do I how do I forgive? Ben, how do I forgive? I raised my hand, is that, is that forgiveness? Here's how you do it. If they're, if they're living in the same vicinity, you need to have a face-to-face encounter with them, and this won't be easy, but you just need to look them. Not rehash the past, not dig up the past, but you need to look them in the eye and say, I forgive you for the pain that was inflicted upon me. Now I'm telling you, the minute you do that, whew, something happens. You say, well, Ben, I can't have a face-to-face. They live in another, another area. Good. Pick up the phone. Listen to me. Don't go to Facebook. <laughs> if you're out there, Jimmy Jones, just want you to know. No. You pick up the phone. You dial a number. You say, hey, I just want you to know I forgive you. I I don't even know where they're at I don't even know how to get a hold of them I I can't, I don't have a phone number what do I do very easily as you're sitting right here symbolically through prayer you can utter God I forgive so and so for this and I'm telling you you're going to feel the power and the presence of God come and rest on you like never before, hallelujah Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.